flooding from Brandy Brook and is currently unsafe to open. Once safe to do so, temporary traffic lights will be installed to assist with the flow of traffic. The road at Spittle Tunnel remains closed due to flooding and conditions are expected to ease throughout today. However, the yellow weather warning has only been lifted for this Sunday morning. Drivers are urged to drive with caution as many roads are still affected by surface water throughout the county. They are also advised to be mindful of potential damage to infrastructure. The flood warnings of Haverford West and Solver have been lifted. However, there is still rainfall forecasted for this Sunday. Various villages have been affected by flooding overnight and emergency services are still in attendance at Haven's Head and Lower Priory in Milford Haven. And we'll be keeping you up to date across the day here on Pure West Radio. Today marks Armistice Day 2018, 100 years since the end of the First World War, the 11th day of the 11th month. There are various specialist events happening around the county today to mark the centenary of the end of the First World War. You can see a full schedule of events on our Facebook page, search Pure West Radio. We also have various special guests and special programmes running across the day today. A rare night out began a downhill spiral when a Pembroke man decided to drink drive after being punched in the mouth. Ricky Davis of St Anne's Crescent pleaded guilty to driving a Ford Focus while over the legal alcohol limit when he appeared at Haverford West Magistrates Court on Tuesday, November 6. Sean Vaughan, prosecuting, told the court that the police received information about a suspect drink driver in the early hours of the morning on August 26th. Officers located Davis, 43, who admitted he had been driving and apologised. He was found to have 106 milligrams of alcohol in 100 millilitres of blood. The legal limit is 80 milligrams. Jonathan Webb defending said Davis, who previously held a clean driving licence, suffered from a back problem and went out to a nightclub for the first time in years with his wife and friends on the night in question. Davis stepped in when a man had a go at his friend and was punched in the mouth for his trouble. Mr Webb said Davis went outside and spoke to a police officer about the incident, but no action was taken. He then rowed with his wife, who tackled him about what he was doing, as had not seen what had happened. Everything went spiralling downhill, things went from bad to worse, and culminated in Ricky Davis jumping in his car and wanting to go to his mum's. A blood sample was taken as Davis was unable to provide a breath specimen due to his mouth injury. Mr Webb added that a driving ban would have a big impact on Davis as his wife did not drive. Magistrates banned Davis from driving for 12 months and fined him £120. He was ordered to pay £85 court costs and a £30 surcharge. The chairman of the bench said the events of the evening spiralled out of all proportion. You will not be driving your vehicle away from this building today. And finally, a Haverford West man has won a trophy at the David Chess Championships. Ray Greenwood of Haverford West, a member of Stainton Chess Club, took away the under-1600 grading prize. In the David Chess Championship last weekend, held in Tanagrice on October 27th and 28th, Aberystwyth Chess Club's leading player, Rudy Van Kamade, came out on top, finishing equal first with David Battelle of Carmarthen. Stainton Chess Club and Cardigan Chess Club both meet each Thursday evening, respectively at Kensington Court, Stainton and at the Bowls Club in Cardigan. Both clubs welcome new members of all standards. For more information, please do get in contact with the clubs. I'm Toby Ellis and you're up to date with the latest news for Pembrokeshire on Pure West Radio. 
For Pembrokeshire, from Pembrokeshire, Pure West Radio, Pure West Radio weather. And good afternoon. So, after today there will be some clear spells and showers throughout the evening and overnight. The showers most widespread in the west and northeast where they could be heavy. Thanks to the southerly wind, it will remain frost-free tonight. So the minimum temperature has gone up a little bit from before. It's six degrees centigrade. Many, many, many thanks there to Toby Ellis for giving us that amazing, amazing news broadcast. This is Northwest Radio. I don't know why you think that you could help me when you couldn't get by by yourself. And I don't know who would ever want to tell the seam of someone's dream. You said that we should just be friends While well, I came up with that line And I'm sure that it's for the best If you ever change your mind Don't hold your breath Because you may not believe That baby I'm really When you said goodbye It's my turn to fly So girls get in line Cause I'm easy, no playing this guy like a fool But now I'm alright You might have had me caged before But not tonight And you may not Take up my time with thinking of our breakup And you've got another thing coming your way Cause it's a beautiful day mm-hmm. Beautiful day Oh baby, any day that you're gone away It's a beautiful day I love Michael Bublé. 
He's awesome, ain't he? He is just the start of Christmas completely. Oh my God, he's amazing. I absolutely love that. The most best track to start off the show. Anyway, hi. Good afternoon. How are you doing? Had a good day? Hmm? Been out to some of those amazing, amazing remembrance celebrations. Yeah? There's been plenty on today. I hope you've had an amazing day listening to us as well at Pure West Radio. We've had loads of things and interviews going on throughout the day for this for this fabulous, fabulous day uh, for the fallen there then. Salute you all, lovelies. As you know, we have got coming up shortly uh, the amazing radio play Remember Me by John Roach. That will be at about quarter past four there then. Uh, it's a play written for uh, radio and it describes the short life of Thomas Evan Roach and the effects of post-traumatic stress disorder or shell shock as it was called in the 20th century. Now Thomas was local here, he was born in 1898 near Mathry in Pembrokeshire and at the age of 18 in 1916 he was enlisted to go to France to fight in World War One. Now I'm not going to say too much about it because you can hear this amazing short play coming up for us shortly um, but in in the meantime uh, we've got another awesome track coming up for you and i'm gonna be back before then as well and if you've got any anything to send me any kind of tracks any kind of requests anything whatsoever that we can put on over the next few hours after remember me then by all means give me a little text 60777 don't forget to start your message with pwr come straight through to me in the studio there and i can get some good tunes on for you hey Amazing. Awesome shout outs, whatever you desire. Right. Okay. Another track. I'll be back with you before Remember Me. So get yourself a nice cuppa, put your feet up and have a nice, have a nice chill. Is there something missing in your education history? Maybe you feel you're not fulfilling your potential. Pembrokeshire College offer degree routes and higher apprenticeships in a number of subjects, meaning you don't need to leave Pembrokeshire to get a degree-level qualification to further your career. With funding and part-time delivery available, you can fit study around your work and family commitments. Industry-experienced lecturers, great facilities and lots of support staff mean an excellent experience, all on your doorstep. Progress your career with a degree-level qualification or a higher apprenticeship at the college. Call us today on 01437 753 000 for an informal chat and to find out how we can help you. Pembrokeshire College, we're here to make a difference. At KO Carpets, you know quality is assured. We've been your local family-run business for over 40 years. We're widely recognised as Pembrokeshire's leading supplier of domestic and contract flooring. We provide full end-to-end service, free measures and estimates, free delivery and free fitting by our professional team of highly skilled fitters. Come and see us at Vine Road, Johnston, or drop us an email, sales at kocarpets.com. We're a knockout at flooring. At Teas R Us, our services range from one-off t-shirt printing and slogans to embroidered clothing and uniforms for business and clubs. Whether your design needs to look crisp and professional or it's just a bit of fun, our experienced embroiders and t-shirt printers offer high-quality products at very competitive prices. Remember, if your business needs to look like a team, we can help design a logo and embroider it or screen print it onto quality clothing especially on workwear or for sports clubs and schools. Personalised clothing from Teas R Us. 
we can take care of it all. Find us at Rumbleway Service Station New Hedges, 10B in Law Street, Pembroke Dock and Prendergast in Haverford West. Tease are us. For Pembrokeshire, from Pembrokeshire, see the action live from our studios in Haverford West at purewestradio.com and on our Facebook page, Pure West Radio. Beat a bit of take that, can ya? Going back to the 90s with that there then. Right, so 
what we have all been waiting for today that fabulous fabulous radio play remember me by john roach remember it's tracing the life of the young soldier thomas evan roach who served in world war one without further ado here it is enjoy put your feet up grab that cuppa grab some bickies and stay put for the next 40 minutes this is a good one Yes, I was interested to see whose names have been carved in this stone. What's it called? Oh, you mean the cenotaph. Are you looking for someone in particular? Perhaps I can help you. Maybe. Did you live here during the war? Which one? What do you mean, which one? Well, the other one started... Who are you? What's your name? Your voice... It's... How are you now, Tommy? Do you feel any better? You, you can't just go over. You're sure to get it next time. Just hold back for once. He's mad, that boy. Doesn't have a care about his own safety. Can't see him lasting that long. Surprised he's still with us. Can't you hear what they're saying? Tell me, what do you think about when you go out there? Orders, James. Kill or be killed. Yes, we all know that. It's why we go there. But you're always up first. I can't understand why. Tommy, don't go off like that. I'm only trying to help. What did he say? It's only you he'll talk to. You come from the same place, don't you? What was he like at home? He never talks to us. It's only you we confide in. Are you related? No, we're not. I promised his mother I'd keep an eye on him. But as you can see, I'm helpless when he's out there. I'm Tommy. I was born in 1898, when Victoria was still queen. She ruled the biggest empire in the world. Britain was truly great. Or so we were told. I'm Tommy's father. I went to the registrar to tell him that my son had been born. I was asked to sign the certificate. But I couldn't write my name very well at the time. So I made my mark with the cross. Like so many children born at this time, the cross confirmed their arrival to the world, as well as predicting their premature departure from it. Tommy's father James worked on a farm from dawn until dusk and he rarely had a chance to go home to see his family. Occasionally he'd write to his wife Emily. My dear Emily, I'm sorry but I can't come home again. There's a lot of work to do. Mr Jones says it's the time of year and he needs me. How are Maggie and Tommy? I hope he's getting on better now. Oh, I don't worry about my little girl. She's tough. 
She can look after herself. She'll make someone a good wife one day. Tommy, oh, is a different story. I just wonder what his future will be. I shall try to get home next Sunday. James. There, I can write. Now to find someone who can take this to Emily for me. Nesta's going. She told me she's going on Sunday. At certain times of the year, James was so busy he rarely came home to see us. Luckily, my friend Nesta used to take him letters from me. We've both learnt to read and write. Maggie's a big help now she's in school. She's a bright girl. I went to school in Mathry. Until I was 12 and then I went to work on the same farm my father had. We all had to work hard to make sure we could have enough food. You see, when I was seven, something happened that changed our lives forever. Little Tommy, caught speaking Welsh, going to get the cane. I heard you speaking Welsh just now. I'm supposed to pass it on. Don't think you're going to pass it on to me, because I'll give it right back, won't we? Too right, you thick boy. We're bigger than you, and you telling us we'll hammer you on the way home. Shut up. The schooling's coming this way. You better shut up too, you little thicko. Tommy, can I see you a minute? You too. Go off and play, will you? But sir, I haven't been able to pass this on. Never mind about that now. Just give it to me. I need to speak to you. At this time in Wales, children were discouraged from speaking Welsh in school. If they were heard doing so, a piece of wood called a Welsh knot was placed around their necks. They then tried to find someone speaking the language, and the child who ended the school day with a piece of wood around his or her neck was beaten severely. But I haven't done anything. Your mother is here and needs to talk to you, Tommy. Will I get the cane, sir? You don't mind me speaking Welsh to my children, Mr Richards. Tommy, my ganina with yon drug. Maggie, dere mang hariadi, my ganina with yon drug. Madame mind what he dig without a farm. My daddy would he call he love. Tommy's mother had bad news. His father had been killed in an accident on the farm. Her two children were devastated, as was she. They worried. What would happen to them? Most families found it difficult to survive on the wages they earned. Although Tommy's sister Maggie was only nine, she realised what the outcome could be. What will we do, ma'am? I don't know, Bach. It's all right, Tommy. I'm here for you. Please don't let me go to Haverford West. To the workhouse, ma'am. When my husband was killed, I wondered how we would survive. I thought we'd have to go to the workhouse in Haverford West, but my parents took us in. Luckily, James's brothers and sisters helped out a lot, and we had lots of clothes handed down. But by the time they came to Maggie and Tommy, they'd been worn by seven or eight children, so you can imagine what they were like. Neighbours helped as well, and the people for whom I worked used to give us extra food. I'm Tommy's big sister Maggie. He gets upset easily. I always had to look after him in school until I left. Tommy and Maggie were born at the end of the 19th century. During this time, some of the European countries, including Britain, had greedily taken over most of the African continent. 
Many nations had plundered the labour force centuries before and had transported the inhabitants as slaves over both the Atlantic and Indian Oceans. But now they wanted the riches from under the ground. I see that diamonds and gold have been found in southern Africa. You were very quick to take over that part of the country. Didn't that belong to the Dutch? But the land now belongs to us. We shall have to keep an eye on how things work out. And how will you do that? We have taken over land to the west of you. Oh, that's a bit unfortunate. Mm, and we have land to the north of you. Otherwise you would rule the continent from north to south. Monsieur, madame, as you have Egypt, we have taken over Morocco. Oh, and why have you done that? We can keep an eye on trade between America and the Mediterranean. We too want some of the riches of the continent. This is very unsatisfactory. Still, the situation may change when we have built a large navy. And we too can keep an eye on trade between America and Europe in the Atlantic. These arguments hadn't affected Tommy and Maggie personally. News regarding the conflicts between the great powers didn't enter their innocent lives. Their priority was surviving at home, earning enough money to be able to put food on the table. Germany had beaten France in the Franco-Prussian War, a war in which France had lost some provinces to Germany. There was no love lost between these two countries. Although it had a small coastline, Germany began to build a large navy and Britain was worried. The bickering continued. The final straw came in June 1914, when the Archduke Franz Ferdinand from Austria-Hungary and his wife Sophie decided to make a state visit to Sarajevo, where they were assassinated by Gravilio Princip. He was a Serbian nationalist who wanted to unite Serbia with Bosnia-Herzegovina to form a nation of Slavic people. Austria-Hungary decided to take revenge and invaded Serbia. But this country was friendly with Russia, so Russia became involved. Everyone was talking about this on my 16th birthday. I didn't know where Sarajevo was. I'd never met a duke or even an archduke. People were saying Britain would have to do something. George V of Britain and Kaiser Wilhelm of Germany were cousins, but they couldn't sort out the family problem. Some families are like that. Our family all pulled together when we had a disaster. Germany, seeing a threat from Russia, came to the help of Austria-Hungary. France wasn't happy about this, so Germany decided to invade it by marching through Belgium. Britain was friendly with Belgium and France and said, my friend's enemy is my enemy. We were worried that all our young men would become involved. But lots of people were keen for a war to sort out the problems in Europe. Maggie's fiancé Arthur wanted to join the army. He said he'd be back home by Christmas. Men volunteered to become soldiers in their droves. It was the thing to do. And after training, they were sent over to France to fight against the German army. Enthusiasm to go to war was remarkable. This was now the 20th century, and the development of weapons meant far greater carnage that had existed in any other war was a possibility. Everyone who had been involved in previous combats appeared ignorant of these consequences. 
Your country needs you. This was the message on posters seen all over the place. Once Tommy had reached the age of 18, he knew he'd be expected to join the army. A law had been passed in early 1916 that all 19-year-old men had to join up. But it was changed to 18 some months later. There was no escape. There were plenty of farm labourers in Pembrokeshire who were under 18. There's a letter for you, Tommy. It came last week. You'd better open it. It's from the War Office, ma'am. Now you're 18, you've got to be a man. You can't stay around here. Go show them that you can. Go off to fight in trenches, kill a man or two. Go off to join the army, go join them in the queue. <laughs> I wish those girls would be quiet. They haven't got a clue what it's like on the front. Uncle Bill's out in France. What's it like? I don't know, Tommy. We haven't heard. Does Auntie Martha write to him? Every week. Will you write to me, ma'am? Of course I will. And I will, at the same time as I write to Arthur. Go, Go on, Tommy, show him you're a man. Go and fight for Britain, show them that you can. Go and be a hero, kill the Kaiser too. Go and join the army and we'll all love you. <laughs> Why don't you leave me alone? I really don't want to go. Danny James was killed last week. I heard the postman who delivered the telegram to his mother was as upset as her. We've lost five men from this village this year already, and it's only August. But we've all got to go now. I don't want to kill anyone. Dad would have been proud of you, Tommy. But what will you do if I don't come back? Who will look after you? Of course you'll come back. You're a big, strong man now. I was so worried about him. Although he was a strong lad, he wasn't like most of the young men in the village. He'd get upset at the slightest thing. Everything in the house had to be just so. Even packing a bag took him longer than one would expect. He'd pack it, then empty it because it wasn't right to him. Then he'd repack it and repeat the performance at least three times. I've got my things then, Mum. i better go. Are you sure you've got everything you'll need? Yes, I, I had it all on the bed, just like you said, and put it in my bag. How many times? Just the once, like always. <laughs> oh, don't cry. I'll be all right. Take care, Bach. We'll see you soon. Do you think you'll be all right, ma'am? You know what he's like. He packed his bag at least three times. I know. I just hope... We'll have to see. How's Arthur getting on? I had a letter last week. He says he's fine. Can't tell me too much of what's going on. Not allowed to. They were all innocent young men. Tommy was nervous about having to go away to war. We knew what could happen to him, but how could we stop it? Nobody seemed able to stop it. Governments, politicians, generals all just wanted to send men to their deaths because it was the thing to do. He'd heard the stories about living in the trenches, but he had to go. I just didn't know what was going on inside his head.
under cover, all of you. Those shells are coming over one after the other. Evans, what are you doing out there? You'll get us both of them killed. Damn, this rain isn't helping either. I'm not staying out, even if you are. I'm not going in there. But we've got to shelter, Tommy. Come on, it'll be all right. I hate being underground. We'll be fine. What if another shell lands on us? We'll be safer inside. If it lands around here, at least we'll have some shelter. Now, come on. It's pouring. You die of cold out here. That youngster's terrified of going underground, sir. I know. He's a brave lad. He'll do anything you ask of him. One of the first to go over the top. I don't know how he survived. He saved my life last week, shooting that enemy soldier behind me. He'll have to go underground. I'll have to order him. He'll do it then. Now, lad, you have to go in there. That's an order. The sergeant, I... Now, boy! I'll wait by the entrance. Done, sir. With fear of being buried alive, we've lost a lot of men to that neurosis. I was talking with one of my fellow officers and he knew a soldier who'd survived a cave-in in the trenches. He went walking into the open and began to take his clothes off, explaining he was going to bed, to look for comfort in sleep. His mind had become sealed off from the real world that had violated him. It's becoming more and more common. This war's done a lot of damage, sir. A lot we don't see nor understand, Sergeant. For nearly two years we fought in the trenches. We were terrified. Over the top we'd go, following orders, rushing into no man's land, shooting our rifles, bayonets ready to stab. Survival was our only worry. To live, to fight another day, and then back to the trenches to await the next order to charge, up over the top, to face a stream of bullets. The enemy charged at us as well. The soldiers were so brave, they had to obey orders to kill us. It was madness. The soldiers were under constant bombardment. They closed their eyes, hoping against hope that they'd be able to open them again. Able to see, able to walk, able to pick up their guns, able to fight again, able to resume contact with their colleagues. And most importantly, home. News of the war conditions reached us. Men were being used as cannon fodder in the fight for freedom. I worried about Tommy, as I worried about Maggie's fiancé, Arthur. We'd all suffered terrible losses. Friends, colleagues, men who'd fought bravely, men who'd questioned the real reason for all the horrible carnage. Men who'd lost their minds. Men who'd run away and had been judged to be cowards. Some had been executed for crimes that... Well, that they couldn't help committing. The war had treated them cruelly. There were many damaged soldiers, hundreds, no, thousands, more, and, and, and we didn't understand what was wrong. I wondered what effect this conflict would have on these poor, unfortunate people, their families, all of us who survived. The acrid smell of mustard gas was always a threat. Choking, blinding, killing. We prayed for winds to blow away the poisonous clouds that drove us all mad. Tommy wasn't a cold killer, but he developed an impassioned attitude towards fighting. 
When he went over the top, he was the most effective of our group of men, killing the enemy soldiers and returning to the trench without a scratch. But he wouldn't speak to anyone. No one knew what was going on inside his head after these episodes. We couldn't get through to him and wondered when he would snap. I hated it. Going over the top, following orders, killing men, but that's what I had to do. Kill or be killed. I worried that I may begin to enjoy what I was doing. I knew I'd have to stop one day. I was frightened of myself, of what I had become. I had to kill every German soldier I could, but I knew they were ordinary men, just like me. Sent to the front to kill every Tommy they could. Didn't people care about all the dying, all the pain, all the suffering? It didn't just affect us, but our families as well. I didn't care anymore about a piece of cloth with a Union Jack on it. Was that what we were fighting for? There was only one thing that cheered us up amongst that carnage which was our way of life. Post from home today, men. Look, the sun shining. A break for you all. You'll all be pleased. You're having a joke, aren't you, Sarge? We'll be back to it before long. Thanks, Sarge. Let's all hope we've all got one. What do you say, Evans? It's almost peaceful today. Evans, one for you. Jones, one for you. Williams, one for you. Vittle, one for you. It's, it's from Mam. Nothing from Maggie this time. Strange. She said she'd write at the same time as Mam. I've got one for mine as well. What does it say? Oh. What's the matter? Arthur's been killed. What, Maggie's Arthur? Yes. She'll be so upset. But it's here in Mam's letter as well. That's terrible. What the hell are we doing here? Young ladies all over the country were told not to expect to get married as there would not be enough men to go around. They would have to make their own way through life as best they could on their own. Says your Uncle William's been killed too. Poor Auntie Martha. Oh, I'm sorry. There's a parcel for you, Williams. Oh, thank you. Open it up, boy. It could be a cake. Your mother bakes the best. You open it, here. Let me have a look. Yes, it's cake. Look, boys, we'll share it around. That's tasty. Here, there's a bit left for you two. By the summer of 1918, our side had made headway and were moving towards the German border, pushing back the enemy. But there was no one to come home to me now. Like lots of other girls who looked forward to our sweethearts coming home, there was no point crying anymore. The battles were cruel, our friends were dying, our enemy, the young German soldiers, were dying as well. But orders were orders. In his letters home, Tommy often wrote about the young men whom he regarded as his enemy, the ones he had killed. What would their families be like? How would they react? They were ordinary families like ours, surely. 
By mid-August, some of the German politicians and army commanders agreed they could not win the war, and offers of peace were made a month later. But these were rejected, and the fighting continued. Surely our politicians, seeing that the war was now being won, would agree to stop. How many more would have to be killed just because important people in offices somewhere didn't want to lose face? But I too had to obey orders, and to make sure the men carried them out. As we progressed through abandoned enemy lines, we found little resistance. One particular morning I gave the order to advance, guns at the ready, packs on backs, and to move to the next trench. The fog was thick, and we were able to move easily without being seen, and evade any snipers left behind to slow us down. I'm not going, James. I don't care what the order is. The captain's a good man, but... This fog is our opportunity to escape from this hell we call fighting for freedom. Two years listening to stupid generals who think they know best. How many were we lost? Men we got to know well, gone. What do you think you'll do here, on your own? You'll have to come with us. You won't be able to stay here. You know what I think of this bloody war. It's not right. We've just been shoved here to fight men just like us, men with families. There are families back home with no husbands and fathers to go home to them. And most of those who won't have a normal life. You can tell by their eyes they're scared. Scared of dying, scared of going home. They've changed from what they were. I've changed, you've changed. I've had enough. I just go out there and shoot and stab. We're all the same, both sides, just bloody butchers. And then we leave them rot. I can't do it anymore. What the hell are we fighting for anyway? What are you going to do? I've got to get out of here. I can't stand it any longer. Where are you going to go? I don't know, just back. Back where? Home. I've got to see my mum and my sister. They need me. Right, men. There's a lull. We've had orders to advance. Seems pretty safe, but keep together, otherwise we'll all get split up in this fog. I'm coming with you. We'll both get home together. Better chance that way. I knew you would. Right, men. Make sure your rifles are fully loaded and bayonets fixed. I know it's quiet out there, and it doesn't look as if there'll be any opposition. But we can't be too careful. Keep your heads down, men. We should be safe in this fog, but stray bullets have a habit of finding an unsuspecting target. Move to the back, James. Just tie these up. Your laces? Come on, Evans. We've got to move. What's the matter? Uh, it's my laces. They've come undone. I'll be with you now. We can't just stand here. They'll be expecting us up there, ready to move on. Just go that way. No one will see you. Quick. I'll be right there. Quick. Down that way. There. Quiet. Are we all up? Anyone behind you, Jones? No, I can't see anyone. I thought Evans was behind me. But he must have passed me. Difficult to see in this fog. Good. Let's get a move on. We'll do a head count when this fog lifts. I'm here. You're nearly touching me. This fog's so thick. 
Wait, up here. They've gone that way. We'll go up here to our left. We're lucky, Tommy. They won't notice us missing for hours with this thick fog. Just stay close. We want to get away safely and don't talk until we're right away. Thank God that's cleared. Are we all here, men? I'll do the roll call, sir. It's clearing, Tommy. We'll have to move. They'll know we've deserted. We'll be shot. What the hell have we done? Just keep walking, James. We'll be far enough away by the time they've noticed. We're two men down, sir. Who's missing, Sergeant? We all came out of the last trench, didn't we? I saw Private Tommy Evans tying his laces. But when I looked back, he wasn't there. I thought he'd passed me. He must be lost in the fog. Ah, if we'd stuck together, we'd all be here. Who else is missing? I'm sure it must be Williams. The friends. I've been worrying about Evans for a while. His behaviour's been unnatural. Brave to the extreme, but... He must have... They can't be too far behind us. It's quiet here, sir. Do you want us to go back and see if we can find them? No, Sergeant. Someone may pick them up. If they get caught, sir, they'll be court-martialed, sir. You know what'll happen. Very well. Take Jones with you. We walked for hours and reached a deserted village. We found scraps of food in the house and fruit. Now the harvest was upon us. What do you know about these two, Jones? Same as you, Sarge. Evans just goes over the top, but just seems to take it so personally. Shuts himself off from the rest of us. Williams tries to talk him out of it, but he takes hours. Never really speaks to us about anything. You know what the band is like. What it's got to be like for us to keep sane, but Evans could never be part of that. Williams tries to be like us, but he always keeps an eye out for Evans. Almost as if he's made a promise to someone from home. His family, probably. He's not... Like us, Jones? No, I know. I don't know how he's survived for so long. I hope we find them soon. Night's upon us. There, yeah, there are some houses over there. It'll be shelter for the night. Wait! Wait! I, yes, I can see some activity. Load your gun, Jones. I'm ready, Sarge. Looks like our side. They're bringing someone out. Probably captured some of the Hun. Stragglers, I'll bet. Oh well, the war will be over for them. No, the voices I recognise. It's... Get off me! Get the hell off Run me! Your Get off me! You you? Get off! Oh man, there might be a chance. Let's see what we can do. Are you trying to get away? No, soldier. We're looking for some men lost from our battalion. What's your regiment? We are South Wales borderers. Just like these two, tried to get away from us when we stumbled upon them. Deserters, I'd say. Evans, Williams, you better come with us. Sorry, but they're our prisoners. Where are your soldiers? I attended their court-martial, one of three officers in the area at the time. A major wanted a quick trial, 20 minutes, that's all it would take, and then... They were accused of cowardice. I had to speak up for these brave youngsters. They should have been awarded for gallantry. I really couldn't understand their behaviour. Bring in the deserters. We'll make this short and sweet. Captain, two of your men, I believe. Yes, sir. We were split up as we advanced from one trench to another. The enemy had withdrawn further than we'd anticipated. A mist fell upon us that particular day. 
I'm surprised we didn't lose any others. Are you attempting to make excuses for these two men? They should have kept up. There's no reason why they shouldn't. The British Army hasn't any time for men like that. I've been told that Private Williams has been giving all sorts of reasons. The other one, Evans, hasn't spoken a word. He's not answered any questions apart from a yes sir or a no sir. Belligerence, I'd call it. Where are they? Bring them in. You do realise that it's the death penalty for this? I'm surprised by their actions, sir. Neither of them shown any sign of being deserters. Tell me, Evans, why did you desert? You've not given any reason. Why? Are you scared to die? Because die you will for this. You know the law. Are you going to answer, Evans? Private Williams has plenty to say. Said you'd got lost in the fog. Well? Where did you think you'd be going, Evans? You've been such a good soldier. I don't know, sir. We carried on walking and found shelter where there was some food. We were lost, sir. We couldn't find you. Be quiet, Williams. I haven't any time for this. You know the penalty for desertion. Well, men, we have a decision to make. Quite easy, I should think. Lost in the fog, indeed. I ask you, there are three of us here. I'm sure we're in agreement. No, no, sir. I'm not. Both these men have been brave soldiers. I'll not be party to this. Are you going soft? These are deserters. They should be shot. And the sooner the better if I have anything to do with it. I am of the same opinion, Captain Simpson. We must maintain this discipline and make an example of these liars, cowards. I suggest you change your mind, Morris. We'll be done with it. No, sir, I will not. He saved my life on numerous occasions. Is is that your final word? Yes, sir. Well, we can't shoot one without the other. What do you suggest, then? Hard labour? Well, we could wait until the end of the war and then take them home. Make sure that they're punished. Yeah, but until that time, we can deal with them in, uh, in another way. What do you suggest, Simpson? Uh, well, sir, my regiment is about to start an offensive. Bloody enemies refusing to give up, even though their officers know that it can't last long. Well, I think that's perfectly acceptable. Don't you, Morris? Have I a choice, sir? No. I'm sure you'll take care of those two, Captain Simpson. After this war is over, you'll be taken back to Britain and punished there. But until then, you will go with Captain Simpson. Thank you, sir. Don't thank me, Evans. Your captain whom you deserted when other soldiers were prepared to follow is the officer who... Oh, why should I waste my breath? Take them away. We were transferred back to the front, not to our battalion. We were taken by the other captain at our trial. It was nothing like our Captain Morris would we'd let down. This was to be our punishment for having gone absent without leave, to join other frightened young men, but they didn't want to tell their own stories. Neither did Tommy. You two, get to the front. I hope you're not shirking, Williams. You know the drill. Over the top on my whistle. Let the Huns know we mean business. I hope your gun's loaded, Evans. Don't come back here if it isn't. Chances are you won't. Go, follow them, man. Pick your targets. They're trying to prove me wrong, I'm sure of it. 
Well, some bullets will get them sooner or later. Send them over again in ten minutes. What do the other men think of those two? They're deserters, sir. The men all know it, but don't seem to take any notice. They just want to get to the end of this war. It'll be different when we get them home. They won't get away with it. Just make them wish that they hadn't walked out on their men, Sergeant. Don't worry, sir. By the 10th of November, the temperature had dropped, and due to the cold nights, the soldiers had slept no more than an hour or two. The following morning, they were told that they would have to cross a clearing in Woodlands to continue their advance. Right, men. We have to cross this gap in the trees. We've not heard anything, so it should be easy. Evans and Williams to the front. Load your rifles and fix bayonets, men. It seems safe, but you never know. Just in case. Uh, Sergeant, a word. We've had news. It's over. What, sir? The war, man. It's over. Get the men over the other side of this clearing and then, uh, well... Yeah, it should be safe there. And we can wait until the agreement takes effect at 11 o'clock. Is that when we stop fighting, sir? Yes, man. Now, have you got the men ready? You've chosen who's to lead, I assume? Yes, sir. Made sure all guns are loaded. Right, then give the order. I'll stay here and watch out for enemy snipers. Well, that's until everyone's crossed. They could be anywhere. Are you two ready? Yes, Sergeant. Well, this is us again. Always the first to go. I'll see you on the other side. Yes. The other side. See you there. Go now. We'll be behind you. That's an order. Go! Get down, man! Tommy! Tommy! Are you there? Answer me! Right, man. Cross now and keep your eyes open. Tommy, where are you? Answer me! But I wasn't there. His crumpled, lifeless body lay on the ground. His head was twisted so I could see his eyes staring at me. Blood was seeping into the dampness of the wet earth from a wound I couldn't see. Tears welled up inside me. My friend from home was no more. I looked back as the other soldiers joined me, but not one more shot was fired. The sniper's last bullet must have hit him. On the 11th of November at 5am, an armistice with Germany was signed in a railway carriage at Compiègne to the north of Paris. At 11am on the 11th of November 1918, the 11th hour of the 11th day of the 11th month, a ceasefire came into effect. During the six hours between the signing of the armistice and its taking effect, opposing armies on the Western Front began to withdraw from their positions. But some commanders continued ordering their men to fight, wanting to capture more territory before the war ended. Within an hour of Tommy's death, peace was declared. That nervous little boy who'd cried in his mother's arms on the day his father had died now lay dead himself. The cross placed on his birth certificate by his father appeared to have foretold his son's future. My Tommy would never come back. 
He was one of millions, killed in a war to end wars, in a conflict that had drawn the world into one of the greatest tragedies in history. I never married. Nobody came back for me. Many of those who did had changed beyond recognition. I became friendly with one, but my heart wasn't really. I still cried for my Arthur. My little brother Tommy came to me in my dreams many times. I could hear his voice. Recently, I thought I'd seen him in the churchyard looking for his name on the cenotaph. But I knew it was only... Oh, Tommy Bach. We kept the home fires burning While our hearts were yearning Though our lads were far away They dreamt of home Where's the silver lining The dark clouds never leaving They stay above and never go Remember Me by John Roach This is a play written to commemorate the lives of servicemen who suffer from post-traumatic stress disorder. A huge thanks to all the people who have taken part. Liz Rawlins, Owen Roach, Jacob Evans, Neil Sandford, Ruby Salmon, Cicely Blacklaw-Jones, Stephanie Jane Hills, Bill Hurst, Sam Howley, Amelia Thomas, Andrew Rees, Jonathan Bell, Jenny Roach, Zach Davis, Oscar Tuke, Yestin Freya, Nick Groves, and the pupils of Year 6 of Clithy Reach School. A special thanks to Sam Howley and Janice Roberts for composing the music, and to Neil Martin for editing the play to be broadcast on Pure West Radio. was everything and more that I expected. I have literally been left here spine tinglingly numb after listening to that. That is absolutely amazing. Absolutely fabulous. Absolutely loved it. Many thanks uh, for our staff who was part of that wonderful, wonderful radio play right there. It, it was amazing. I I can't actually speak at the moment. <laughs> That was amazing. I'll I'll be back with you guys uh, straight after the news. I think I'll need a little bit of time to recuperate after that. Thank you so much, guys. That was absolutely amazing. Have you lost your cat? Uh-oh, steady kitty. Has your neighbour's much-loved dog gone missing? Uh-oh, oh no. <laughs> well, don't worry. We're here to help. The Pet Finder on Pure West Radio features lost and found animals across Pembrokeshire every week at 9.30am and 5.30pm. If you have an animal to get featured, email the details to studio at purewestradio.com. <laughs> okay. The Pet Finder on Pure West Radio. Pure West Radio. 